Hi, I'm Lauren Hansen, multimedia editor at theweek.com. And today I'd like to share some fun and interesting facts that I learned while reading the internet this week. Here's a novel idea for you. Just listen to this podcast. Don't prune that Amazon shopping cart. Don't organize your kitchen. Stop reading those old issues of the New York Times style section. Just listen. This rare phenomenon of focusing on one thing isn't actually new, of course, but it goes by new names. It's called monotasking, single tasking, unitasking, or just paying attention. It's basically the way we humans used to get things done before technology made us into insatiable media-consuming monsters. Of course, the problem is multitasking feels really necessary. We don't just email anymore, we communicate via text, tweets, and chat rooms. All these things invade our screens with noisy and demanding alerts that follow us on our commute home, into our houses, and even creep into our bedrooms. Honestly, when was the last time you just watched a movie? Not watched a movie and mindlessly scanned Facebook, just enjoyed the film. Researchers are finding exactly what your gut is telling you, that multitasking isn't actually making you more productive. One study found that interruptions as brief as two or three seconds were enough to double the number of errors made in a single task. Another study found that people who identified themselves as high-media multitaskers were actually more easily distracted than those who didn't identify as such. And actually, humans aren't equipped to handle such levels of multitasking. People who work online can switch tasks upwards of 400 times a day. And research has shown that every time we switch between a task, our resources are depleted. It's why you're so exhausted and mindless by the end of the night. Now, doing just one thing at a time is not easy. All that helpful technology isn't designed with one task in mind. But experts say if you can try to focus on the one task at a time, you will not only be more productive, but you'll find you enjoy it more. Paying attention allows your brain to decide if the book you're reading or the movie you're watching is interesting and worthwhile. And monotasking can be good for our relationships as well. Research shows that just having a phone on the table is distracting enough to reduce empathy and rapport between people. So forget the multitasking and embrace this retro idea of paying attention, at least for a little while. Okay, so I'll admit it. I judge based on looks, at least when it comes to my grocery shopping. The more pristine the apple, the better. But this week I learned that in skipping over those flawed, bruised fruits, I might be missing out on tastier and healthier superfruit. All those dark patches and dots are actually signs of a fruit or vegetable's hard-fought battle against gnawing insects and surface infection. You see, a plant relies on its antioxidant defenses to fight such benign pests and diseases, which experts believe leads to fruits and veggies being more healthy for humans. One study showed that an apple peel covered in scab, which is a common disease that manifests in that dull black or gray-brown lesion, had more healthy antioxidant compounds than a lesion-free apple peel. Another study showed that grape leaves infected with a fungus also had higher levels of an antioxidant-rich plant compound. 
When a plant is under stress by insects or disease, they produce metabolites that are good for the plant and good for us as well. So don't be so quick to dismiss that imperfect apple as it might be bearing nutritious gifts. If you're an Eric Clapton fan, then you're probably familiar with this 1970 classic. The song Layla was the title track from Clapton's short-lived band Derek and the Dominoes, and he basically wrote the entire 77-minute album as a love letter to the model and actress Patti Boyd. So Patti Boyd is Layla. Well, technically, Layla, as Clapton wrote it, comes from the 5th century Arabian poem turned book called The Story of Layla and Majnun, which was about forbidden love. Clapton pined after Patty Boyd, who happened to be married at the time to Clapton's friend, George Harrison. And this week I learned that Patty Boyd was one of rock's greatest muses, influencing the work of not only Clapton and George Harrison, but also Rolling Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood. Back in 1964, Boyd was cast as a schoolgirl in the Beatles comedy film, A Hard Day's Night. Excuse me. But these young men I'm sitting with wondered if two of us could come over and join you. I'd actually myself only I'm shy. I'm sorry, miss. You mustn't fraternize with me prisoners. Prisoners? Convict in transit. Tipping low legs, the love them. Prisoners was, in fact, her only line, but the role introduced her to George Harrison, whom she married in 1966. During their love affair and marriage, Harrison wrote four songs about or inspired by Boyd, including the 1974 song So Sad off of his solo album Dark Horse, which was about, as you might guess, their marital problems. Harrison and Boyd did divorce in 1977, but not before she had a brief fling with Ronnie Wood, who would go on to write at least three songs about his love of Boyd, including this song, Mystifies Me. But it was really Clapton who carried the longest and brightest torch for Patty Boyd. He initially tried to woo Boyd from Harrison with the song Layla in 1970. According to Boyd herself, Clapton took her to a secret meeting and played the song for her no less than three times, watching her face intently for her reaction, which is kind of creepy. But Boyd said that she thought the song was the most powerful and moving she'd ever heard. Unfortunately for Clapton, Boyd and Harrison stayed married for another seven years. But finally, in 1979, Clapton and Boyd married. And Clapton would go on to write at least three more songs about her, including Wonderful Tonight. All in all, over the course of two decades, Boyd inspired no less than 10 songs, some of which have become the most iconic in music history.
And finally, I have a random little fact about a useful everyday item, the classic Bic pen. If you grab hold of one, the kind that is clear and you can see the ink and the cap is colored, you'll notice there is a hole at the top of the cap, which if you've thought about this at all, you probably brushed off as some random design feature. But it had a very real purpose, to reduce the risk of choking deaths. The hole is designed to allow the passage of air if someone accidentally swallows the cap and it blocks their windpipe. Actually, roughly 100 people die each year from choking on pen caps, which is terrible, but that number used to be much higher before Bic added the hole in the cap in 1991 and other pen manufacturers followed suit. And that does it for this week's episode of This Week I Learned. If you'd like to read more about any of the facts I've mentioned here, you can go to theweek.com audio. And if you'd like to listen to more from this series or any of the week's podcasts, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, we'd love to encourage you to rate our podcasts on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening.